Hello, pod listeners. It's Andy, the analytical preacher. You know, just to be honest, one of the things that upsets preachers the most is when folks intentionally twist scripture in the Bible to prove their own point or to get away with what they want to get away with or to make scripture say something from a specific point that they really know scripture doesn't say. You know, if you tell me, if I say to you, oh, well, the Bible says this and this, and you say, yeah, but I don't care. I don't believe in the Bible. Well, then I'm not angry about that. I probably feel bad for you. I may try to witness to you about what I believe the value of scripture is and the value of faith in Christ is, but I'm not going to be angry about it. But when someone says to me, oh, no, I am a Christian. I do read the Bible. I do care to follow the scripture. And then I hear them twisting scripture to try to get it to say something that they know it doesn't say. Yeah, it does sort of fuel some angst and some anger within me. And one of the ways that I have heard this done is when bigots try to take this one section of scripture, which I'm going to read for you in a second. When bigots take this one section of scripture that's in the Old Testament, and try to falsely claim that the Bible, therefore God, stands against interracial marriage. The Bible does not stand against interracial marriage. There is something the Bible stands against relative to whom we date and who we marry. We'll talk about that. But let me, in this podcast, just really quickly, and this won't take long, let me just kind of set the record straight. Let me read the scriptures and questions. We'll explain them. And then we can go from there. The scripture in question is found in Deuteronomy chapter 7. So the Hebrew people, the the Israelites, had been rescued from bondage in Egypt. Moses had led them, of course, across the Red Sea, had received the Ten Commandments, etc. Now we see, as the people are getting ready to go into the promised land that Moses had promised them, we hear God giving them different directions and different instructions. And some of them were about who they were to go into battle with and and how they were to deal with the different people that they would encounter. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting in verse 1, going through verse 4, we read this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Here comes the verse that always gets misquoted. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly. So it says here, you shall not intermarry with them, with these people that are non Hebrews. And people twist that to say, see, God told his people, the Hebrews, don't intermarry with another race, which means that he would be saying to Christians today, because now we're the people, don't intermarry with another race. You can probably already see, even if you're not a Bible scholar, how this is getting badly twisted. First of all, many people note there are only seven ethnicities listed here out of the dozens and dozens of ethnicities that the Hebrew nation would encounter in their life 
uh, time as a country. And so that is true. There were only these seven listed. But the much more important point here is why those seven nations were listed. It was because of the religion that they practiced. And some of these religions in, did things uh, that involved child sacrifice and so forth. God said these religions are vile and disgusting, but these religions are powerful in terms of how they can emotionally convince people, at least momentarily, to practice them. And my fear is, or really God would say my knowledge is, that if you intermarry with these individuals who practice this religion, they're going to turn you away from the one true God. Nothing in life, not even the best wife or husband that you could possibly have could ever be so important that it would outrank turning you away from the one true God. And in fact, later on in that same book in Deuteronomy, we know that God gives instructions to the Hebrew people. When you have encountered another ethnicity, say, for example, there's been a battle, they've attacked you, or I've instructed you uh, to attack them, and there's been a battle, and there are uh, widows and orphans left and so forth. God provides instructions. This is how you would take those people into your household, or even this is how you would take a woman from that um, other ethnicity and bring them into your household and make them your wife. And of course, one of the things that we see is God would say, this person needs to be willing to become a Hebrew and to follow the Hebrew religion, Judaism, before you would marry them. But God provides some instruction later on in Deuteronomy for how you bring a non-Hebrew person into your family and marry someone of a different ethnicity or a different race. Here's what we also know, and a lot of folks don't know this because there's really just this one verse in the Bible that says it. But Moses, the first great Hebrew prophet, now of course Christ was greater, but Moses, the first great Hebrew prophet that led God's people out of captivity in Egypt and wrote the first five books of the Bible, Moses was himself at one point married to a black woman from Africa. And we know this because in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1, we read this. Uh, Miriam and Aaron, by the way, are Moses's sister and his brother. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. The land of Cush in Moses's time is roughly what we would call the country of Ethiopia today. I believe it was a little larger than just the country of Ethiopia. If you're not familiar, that's sort of on the northeastern sort of part of the Ethiopian continent, down right there down below um, Egypt. And in fact, the Hebrew word uh, that we translate, Cush and so forth, is sometimes translated uh, from Hebrew into Ethiopian. And actually, sometimes the word Cush is translated from Hebrew just as the word black. And so this was a black Cushite woman Moses had married. What we don't know is exactly when he was married. Many scholars say, given Miriam and Aaron's reaction, it must have been at during the time that this book of Numbers was written, because that would kind of make the most sense. So let me put a timeline together and give you a couple quick options. We know if you go back to a prior book, 
If you go back to Exodus, right before the book of Numbers, we know, uh, and and you can find this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 21, if you're interested uh, to check the preacher on it, that's fine. We know that at one point, Moses, after he had left the Egyptian uh, empire, after he had essentially uh, been run out uh, as a fugitive out of the Egyptian empire, he went to the land of Midian, Exodus 2 21 tells us that he married a Midianite woman named Zipporah. We know very little about uh, Zipporah or that marriage. We just know that Moses married her. So there are two theories. One is that by the time you get to Numbers 12, which was a few decades after Moses had married uh, Zipporah, either Zipporah had died or had left Moses and he remarried. Or some people say, when Moses was part of the house of Pharaoh in Egypt, Egypt, we know from other historical documents in time frames around when the Hebrews would have been held captive and Moses would have been alive, that the Egyptians had some military alliances with the land of Cush. And so it's quite possible that in order to seal that military alliance, uh, that Uh, Moses would have been given a Cushite woman to be his wife, and so it's possible that he had actually been married before he ever left Egypt, before he ever met Zipporah in the land of Midian, etc. Or it may well be, most scholars again think, the wife Zipporah had either died or had left, and then Moses had married this uh, black African woman around the time that Miriam and Aaron were so upset with him about it. Miriam and Aaron, of course, were Hebrews. They knew that God had saved their people for 400 years as a, as a single racial ethnic identity. And then God had miraculously rescued those people, said, you'll be my chosen people to make my name famous in all the world. I'm going to give you your own land in the land of Canaan, etc. And so you can understand why Miriam And Aaron may have been upset. Moses, why would you marry outside of our ethnicity when God has done so much to protect our ethnicity and to make us a standalone people? And generally among the Hebrews, there were 12 tribes within that Uh, within that race, and they generally wouldn't even marry outside the tribe, much less outside of the entire race. And so in some sense, you sort of get a feel for why they might have been, uh, had a particular concern about Moses doing this. Right or wrong, of course, and and today we would say clearly it's wrong. Uh, Right or wrong, what we need to do is look at the scripture to say, what was God's reaction to this? Okay, so we were looking at Numbers 12, I started in verse 1. I'm going to skip a few verses, but basically what happens is they challenge Moses, and it starts because he married this black woman, and they're not happy. And so if you're not going to be a pure Hebrew, then maybe we should get somebody else to speak for the Hebrews, etc. God comes in to defend his prophet as his spokesman. There's a big cloud that comes over them as God is is sort of present with them to admonish Miriam and Aaron for what they've done. Let me just skip uh, to same chapter, Numbers 12, but let me read verses 8 to 10. God is talking about Moses and how awesome Moses is. Numbers 12, 8 to 10. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous 
like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. In other words, God said, this is my guy that I chose to be my spokesman. And I speak to him and reveal myself to him in ways I've not ever done to any other human. And if he had done something that I disapproved of, I would have let him know. That's not your job, Miriam. And in fact, I don't disapprove of what my prophetic spokesman has done. I'm mad. I'm going away. And I'll tell you, I think you got to appreciate the humor in this. I'm going away. Here's the thing. You don't like the color of the skin of Moses' wife? Then how about I turn your skin snow white with leprosy? So again, I think God's kind of playing a little bit there with Miriam. Ultimately, of course, Moses intercedes and uh, things sort of go back to normal. But the lesson here is simply this. God did not forbid the Hebrews from intermarrying. He only said these seven ethnicities that practice this vile religion because I'm afraid they'll pull you away from me. In other places, God says, when you marry someone outside of the Hebrew race, but who's not one of those seven condemned ethnicities, this is how you bring a non-Hebrew into your household. Moses, we now know, married what today we would call an Ethiopian or a black African woman. God did not disapprove, though Moses' brother and sister did. God did not disapprove. And so the lesson that we take from this is simply, what God wants is for us believers, God followers, not to become involved with someone who is also not a believer or a God follower. So some people say, doesn't the Bible say we shouldn't have interracial marriage? The answer is no, it does not. Here's what the Bible does say. And this makes a number of people fairly uncomfortable. Here's what the Bible does say. You, if you are a believer, you should not, and you can capitalize those, you capital should not date or marry a non-Christian. That is what the verses in the Bible are saying. You say, yeah, but that was Old Testament law of Moses. What did Jesus and his apostles say? I'm so glad you asked me. The apostle Paul, in his second letter to the church at Corinth, and what today we would call the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 14, writes this, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? It's really as simple as this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, Paul also writes to this same church, the church at Corinth. Paul writes, if you were an unbeliever and you married an unbeliever and you become a Christian and your spouse, whom you marry, decides they do not want to, at least at this time, become a Christian, Paul says, do not leave them over that. Stay married to them and try to let your example of a Christian life be a witness to convert them to the faith. But don't leave them. But Paul is equally clear here. If you are already a believer, do not date and do not marry a non-believer. You can tell someone how important your faith is to them. You can introduce them to the faith. And then if they begin to make it their own faith as well, then Paul would say, fine, now you can date or marry that individual. So the Bible does not condemn 
interracial marriage in Moses' day or today. But here's what the Bible does condemn, and here's what I'm not sure Christians take seriously enough today. God implores us as believers not to date and not to marry an unbeliever because God has a very real concern that for too many of us, living daily with a non-believer is ultimately going to have a bad impact on our faith. And nothing, including the best relationship on earth, nothing could ever be more important than your relationship with God and practicing in and growing in your faith with God through Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, until you are brought to the full stature of being Jesus like yourself. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Until the next podcast, this is Andy.